Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Entree Pastors podcast. My name is John Sanders. I am one of the co-founders of Entree Pastors, and you are listening to a Saturday replay edition of this podcast. This is where we are reaching back to some older content that was done a while back, but also happens to be some of our most popular episodes. We're bringing them back and kind of dusting them off to share with newer listeners that might have joined us in more recent days in the Entree Pastors community. And uh, so this title of this episode is How Do I Pick a Side Hustle That's Guaranteed Not to Fail? You're going to hear myself and my other co-host, Les Hughes, have a conversation around this. There's some pretty powerful words there, uh, words uh, like guarantee. Is it possible to pick a side hustle that is guaranteed not to fail? What do you think about that? Well, you're going to hear us unpack all of this and more coming up. So without any further ado, check out this conversation between me and Les about picking a side hustle that is guaranteed not to fail. Here we go. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation today, Les. Uh, This is episode number 59, and we're going to talk about how do I pick a side hustle that's guaranteed not to fail. We got some powerful words in that title, like guaranteed and fail. Like We want to focus on a few of these things, but let me set this up, and then we'll start riffing on it a little bit, Les. It's not uncommon for you and I as we are leading this charge of the entree pastor journey and encouraging pastors to be out in the marketplace and establishing, you know, businesses of their own and as a way of escaping that narrative of the starving pastor. It is not uncommon for us to run into pastors who say, John and Les, I love the the idea of having financial freedom. I love the idea of not being a starving pastor anymore. I'm kind of over that myself. But I don't really know where to start. Uh, I have a lot of ideas for things I could do or maybe would like to do, but I'm afraid of picking the wrong one. How do I start? Where do I start? That's a pretty common uh, theme that we bump into from time to time. Would you agree with that? Is that a fair summary? Very common. And you and I both have coached people um, long enough to know that that question comes up a lot. How do I know? which one to choose? How do I know which one's going to be the best? I mean, there's lots of different ways you can phrase it, but you know, one of the reasons we started Entree Pastors is to celebrate some, some things that pastors don't always have, or people with a ministry background even don't always have the freedom to celebrate among the folks that they're serving, especially like at a local church level. And um, somebody, people in the spotlight open themselves up to criticism and it it does even in a a setting where there's a fellowship of 20 or 30 or 40 people certainly when you get into the hundreds pastors you know this if you do anything at all you're going to be open to criticism so we we get that and so you kind of get a little bit Mm -hmm. shell-shocked john you just get tired of being shot at some and when you step out and take a risk like like you do when it comes to business ventures there is that hesitation that, man, this needs to work. Yeah. This, this needs to go. And I love the fact that we're in a community of people who can celebrate one another, not be jealous of someone else's success, but really lean into it and, uh, and applaud when somebody gets some wins. Yeah, that's so good. So well said. And it, as I heard you saying that last, I just wanted to reiterate that it's true. Like starting a business in and of itself can feel intimidating and scary and risky, like you said. 
Add to that now the pressure, much of it self-induced, some of it comes from our congregations, but add to that now the pressure of the narrative, all the rules we're breaking as pastors to go outside the four walls of the church and start a business and be profitable and prosperous, and some of those words that make us nervous as Christians and as pastors that probably shouldn't make us nervous, like that just adds a whole other layer of tension and loneliness and fear and risk. And so we really want to step into that a little bit in this piece of content we're creating today. And we will get to the practical part of it in just a minute about how do you make a decision? How do you choose a path and move forward? But before we get into that, let's just riff on this for a minute, Les. The title of this episode has the word fail built right into it. You know, how do I choose the path that's guaranteed not to fail? I don't want to fail. I don't want to, on this public platform especially, have people see me mess up. Um, so let's talk about those themes of success and failure, and then then we can get to the practical stuff. But what say you to that? Like, how do you define success when when you're setting out on your entree pastor journey years ago? Like, what what comes to your mind when you think about that theme of succeeding? Well, it's a great question, and I really had to redefine some things for for me, John, even before I was going out more into the entrepreneurial world, even in the local church level early on, I just began to see that um, when people, and let's just talk about a team, whether it's paid staff or volunteer team, we, we have teams in our area of leadership, whether we realize it or not, we have teams. Mm-hmm. When you have a, a team of people and if there's a leader that punishes failure. All right. So let's just, I'll use that word for now, but if you're a leader who punishes failure or who calls someone out or, um, punishes, you know, in, in some way, somebody that took a risk and it just flopped, let's just, cause something's just flopped. Yep. If you create an environment like that leader, I'll promise you that you'll, you'll end up with people around you who won't do that Mm -hmm. because it's what you reward that gets repeated. And if you reward the person who with good motives, good intentions, and really probably a good plan, but the results weren't what was expected. And let's call it a flop for let's just, let's just embrace that term for a second. But if you say, you know something, man, that showed create in front of a team that showed creativity, that showed faith, you did a really good job executing that. We might could have communicated it better. We might could have done our homework better. There were some things that happened we couldn't control, but awesome job doing what you could to lead out in this way. If you reward that, let's call it a flop, but you're, you're rewarding. You're not rewarding the flop. You're rewarding the, the effort that's also going to lead to some things having amazing results. Yeah. If you want to foster an environment of creativity and faith and doing new things like that, a lot of that is going to work, but it, but it won't if you just sort of sit on your hands. The same is true in the business world and in this entrepreneurial space. It's that you got to get around this idea of if, if, if I don't get the results that I want, somehow that is a failure. And I, and I realize I'm, I've, you've heard all the cliches, John. I have too, to where you're either you're either succeeding or you're learning, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, but if you think about it, 
if you have that mindset, there's a lot of truth to that, a, a lot of truth. And so what the way that you and I would define, one of the ways that we would define failure is that we just quit. Yeah. Now, now, now we can talk about something being a flop when we just give up. But what we're going to say later on in this conversation is there are some other, other ways to look at this journey to where when things don't turn out the way that we think that they will, that's not a failure in and of itself. Absolutely. And by the way, one, one more thing, John, and then I know you want to leapfrog off of that. Remember this, if something does end up being a flop, I mean, let's just say there's something happens and you completely fall on your face, man, please remember that failure is an event and not a person. Oh. That's a one-time deal. That's a one-off thing. And chances are, if you really look carefully, there are some pivots that you could make or some decisions that you can make, and it could turn out, turn out to be something completely different that'll give you the results that you're looking for. Well, and I think that statement, you know, that you're not, it's not succeeding or failing, it's succeeding or learning. Like, I really think that's a legitimate statement. I don't think that's just yeah. cliche, like to make us feel better. I really believe it's, it's about the mindset and how you frame it. But we all make mistakes. We all have levels of disappointment where it's like, man, we tried something. It didn't turn out how we wanted it to be. But as long as we keep moving, that learning is that's well earned experience and learning that we can, you know, move forward with. And it's not failure and it doesn't have to define us. It can help shape where we're moving and what decisions we make moving forward. But backing up a little bit to the success, you know, I, I would be tempted. I like my natural answer to that would be um based upon money, right? Like most people starting a side hustle are doing it because they they would desire more income than what they're currently getting. So it would be easy to define it all in in the um, context of money, that success is this amount of money coming into my bank account. But it's bigger than that. It's the results. Like you said, Les, like a lot of times we define success upon the results. So we'll look at certain things and go, I am succeeding as long as I'm seeing this result or that result. And I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to be results oriented. I've, I certainly am in my life. I want results. If I'm investing in something, I want to see a return on that investment. But truly, failure, as you said a minute ago, Les, is quitting. That's really the only failure that there is. Because otherwise, there's just some things you're going to learn along the way that work better than others. And maybe that didn't work out the way we thought it would. But I had a little insight, Les, as you were sharing something a minute ago, if that's true, that that failure really is only when we quit, by that definition, we're probably speaking to some pastors right now that are failing by the very fact that they've never started, that they're sitting here paralyzed with fear and indecisiveness. And in that indecision and paralyzation, they are failing in this moment. I don't say that to to cause shame or to make them feel bad. It's just the reality. If you're sitting here letting all of the what could happen and all of the fear and what are they going to think, what's my church going to say, that that by the definition, the way we're framing it, is failure. You're failing in this moment. We want to help you win. And um, so we, we're going to help tell you how to do that practically. What does it look like to get started? And how do you decide when you're sitting here with all these different options in your mind and you know trying to figure it all out? But anything else you want to add to that? that conversation about success versus failure, because we, we do think we can tell someone how to do something, how to build a side hustle that is guaranteed not yeah. to fail, but we just have to be clear on what, 
what do we mean by success and what do we mean by failure? Well, if you feel, if, if you're tied to outcomes, join the club. All right. If you're tied to results, if you focus on results, join the club. Me too. You're, if you have ministry background, there are a lot of what we deal with is in, are intangibles. How do you measure spirituality? How do you measure really what somebody's relationship with the Lord is, you know, or their, their obedience or their, or their faith? What we, so what we, we look at things that we can measure, you know, what was the offering this week? How many new families were there? Uh, how many, how many visits were we able to, to make this week? And how many of those folks ended up coming to a worship environment? I mean, so we're kind of drawn. I had, a, I actually had a person, John, that was, uh, helping with baptisms one Sunday. This is in a previous ministry that I was in. And, uh, I forget what it was. I, we might've, somebody made the comment about how many folks had been baptized that year. It was kind of a lot. And this guy looked at me and said, well, we're not about numbers. Are we? Yep. And I looked back at him and I said, well, that one, we are yeah, right. That <laughs> one know? counts. I mean, they're not all numbers are the same, yeah. but, but that one, that one that we are, and not all numbers we can control. Yeah. But some we can, sure. and that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. So let's let's speak to that pastor or someone out there. We know we have people in our audience that are not just pastors. We've got people that listen that have a heart for the kingdom and ministry work, even if they're not serving, you know, exclusively in a pastoral role. So don't feel excluded when you hear us talk to pastors. But to that pastor that's sitting there going, John and Les, I want in. I know I could. I know my family would benefit from a side hustle, some extra income. I want that. I desire that. I'm just afraid of failing. So please tell me how to choose which side hustle that was guaranteed not to fail. Let's speak to that pastor because that's really what we're promising in this episode. So how do you know what path to choose? We've got. I'll I'll kind of describe two different profiles of people, and then you can start talking to them less. Um, I think I think the advice is going to be the same to both, minus just maybe a little caveat. But here's 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 the general profiles. You've got the person who, like many entrepreneurs, they've got lots of ideas. So it's not so much a matter of I don't know what to do. They're like I've got so much to do. I just don't know which is the right one to choose. But we also have talked to pastors who are like I truly don't know what to do. Like I've been a pastor for two decades and that's all I've known. I went to Bible college and seminary. I don't have any other skills to be utilized out in the marketplace, which is completely a myth that we have a lot of resources to help pastors overcome that mindset that, no, you have a lot of skills that are valuable in the marketplace. But those are kind of the two big ones. I either have too many ideas or I don't have any ideas, but we would kind of say the same thing to both one. So let's, let's get real practical. Where would we start with that with advice to that person that's kind of paused out there going, I, I don't know which direction to go here. Well, again, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to uh, change direction or get somewhere with a vehicle that's moving than to get one that's dead still start moving. And yeah. so start moving. And a couple of ideas are the, and these are things that we've actually done, John, and have benefited by them. That's, that's why we know that we're working. We're not the only ones. So one, one idea is if you really are starting from square, from ground zero and you don't have a clue, which is not most people, but if you really are at that place, again, this is back to taking action that you can control, not worrying about the things that you can't control. Then 
I can remember when we, when I first began down this road, somebody giving me great advice. It was a business coach, one of the first one, probably the first one I ever had, John. And he said, just send out 10 emails to, then it was email. It's been a few years ago. So it could be anything. It could be text, DMs, whatever, phone call, whatever. Send out 10 emails and say, hey, I've got a business coach and he's given me this assignment to ask 10 people in confidence. When someone mentions my name, what do you think of? All right. So I didn't ask them, hey, what am I good at? What am I great at? It, it, it came across. It didn't come out as, you know, pat me on the back, build me up some, not at all. I said, just, what do you think of when somebody says my name? And from that, you may want to choose 20. If you choose 20 people, then you'll get, you may get 10 to 15 back. You're not going to get them all back. Probably it goes without saying, but boy, get people that you trust <laughs> that you like that aren't going to take that information and and misuse it or or use it against you in some way. So we're talking about a high level of trust here, but people that also be honest with you, not just butter you up. So what I noticed was that, and what you'll notice is that you'll get some patterns and you'll, you'll get a few people that start saying the same things. It might, it might uh, ring true with you and it might be new information to you. Pay attention to that. And that'll give you a, a clue at least of what other people see you bring some value into their world in that area. Another thing is to at the other extreme, if you got too many ideas, then write all those down too. There's some magic about getting them out of our brain and down in front of us where we can see them in a tangible way. So go old school, analog, get a tablet of paper, a legal pad of paper or something, just write those down. If there are 25, look, look at them. Think about them. Think about what life would be like if you did more of that. It could be that you just list out during what you do in a week as a part of your role. Okay. If you love what you do and you, but you'd love to monetize it in some way, write out what you do, visit hospitals, counsel, prepare a message, public speaking, problem solving, conflict resolution, right? Write those things down, uh, setting a budget, hiring, interviewing, whatever. And then go back and look at it and then narrow it to 10 at first. Don't try to narrow it to two. But then out of that 10, maybe go down to five and then go down to two and then maybe one. Here's the truth, John. Once you get that down to two or three things that you love, that would be fun. Don't try to worry about whether you can make any money off of it yet. Once you get down to that point, to that few, the reality is it probably doesn't matter which of those you choose. Yeah. Because whichever one you pour gasoline onto, that's the one that's going to catch fire. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because just in that question of how do I choose the right one, it kind of implies that there's a wrong one. And I don't know that that's really true. I mean, it may, may be true that one is going to end up being better for you than another. So it may be choosing the best one. But this idea of wrong, again, just has this idea of failure built into it. Ah, oh, too bad for you, man. You chose the wrong path and just messed the whole thing up. I don't think that's how life works much of the time, um, especially when we're talking about choosing between equally good options. So what I heard you saying, just backing up a minute less, what I heard you saying is your advice would be to that person who has lots of ideas, get those ideas on paper. If you've got like six ideas for businesses, Put all six down and think of six more, you know, just load it up with what are some things that I think sound interesting to me 
to the ones who maybe have no idea, that's where your exercise that you're suggesting, they go beyond themselves to get some outside perspective. What do other people see in me? And where, where do I start hearing some patterns or picking up some reoccurring themes in that? But either way, to both groups of people, we're telling them to start getting on paper more than just one idea. We're not just trying to pigeonhole you into one, one idea at this point. Put them all on paper and then have a process by which you start to kind of narrow those down to where you just have a few. The next thing that I would add to that is, and this was an important one, um, Les, some people that know me well have called me impulsive. Can you believe that, Les? I'm, I'm shocked. The word is decisive. It is not impulsive. I am very decisive. <laughs> That's what I tell my wife often when she right. says I'm impulsive. But So this is easy for me. This is maybe not as easy for someone that's wired to be a processor. Um, but you need to set a date for a decision. I'm going to call it D-Day. Like You can give yourself some time. If you're a processor, oh, it's so annoying. But you need time to make a decision. That's great. Um, but you can't take 12 months. You can't take eight months. You set a reasonable amount of time. You have a few weeks uh, that you can think about it, pray about it, get some godly counsel, whatever you need to do. Talk to your spouse. All those things are good things, by the way. So not, we're not encouraging you to rush into a hurried decision, but an intentional decision where you're not giving yourself just time to sit and spin your wheels and waffle. You have a limited, what, what's a reasonable amount of time, Les? Like, what would you say to that? Not that we're well, it, well. It just no. It depends on what the decision is. You know, I mean, um, if you're thinking about even just a practical thing like purchases, I mean, if you're if you're toiling and spending twelve weeks over spending fifty dollars, that's probably overkill. I would say if it's so. uh, buying a house, it needs to be a little bit more processing there. And I am, I I think we will. Here, here's the thing that I that I love about our partnership. One of them is that we are both very decisive you are decisive. Let's just call it on a shorter timeline than I am. So I'm a pro I'm more of a processor because I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to have to go back and, you know, admit that I was wrong or go back and retrace our steps. I just see that as, you know, kind of, kind of wasting time. I think you see more, let's get this thing going. Let's make a decision. And you know what, if, if we don't get the outcome we want right away, we can always change it. We, yeah. we can do something else. You bet. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So I agree. We're not we're not here to say thus says the Lord you have 2 weeks and no more, but I I am pushing you for a decision. And I think that's wise to say I don't get unlimited time to waffle on this decision and just keep kicking yeah. the can down the road. There is a day coming and upon this day I must choose, which would then lead to the next thing and that's choose a course of action. So you've labeled a bunch of stuff on paper, you've whittled that down, you've narrowed that down to just a few good options. You have set a date by which you will make a decision, and then that day is coming that you are going to choose a course of action and and make that choice. So I'm I'm challenging you to decide, which then leads to the most important step in all of this. Go ahead, Les. You want to jump in? Yeah, I'm going to show a resource here because it's perfect for what we're talking about. There's no uh, one set time frame that's going to be a one size fits all, but there is a principle that I like to share that absolutely will help you if you struggle in this area. And it's a resource. If you're watching the video, I'm going to hold it up. So if you, if you're watching the, if you're not watching the video, it, the, the name of it is the 12 week year. Mm. 
And the premise is the, the uh, author's name. One of them is Brian Moran. The other is Michael Lennington. The 12 week year, basically the premise is that you can, you might be able to get your goals accomplished and your objectives done that it might, that you think it's going to take you a year. You can actually accomplish it in more like 12 weeks. Mm. And so you can back that up and the things that you think would take a month, they'd probably take a few days if you would really, really get after it and not procrastinate and not, because what people do is, you know, we set these annual goals and in October we haven't done anything with them. And so now we get started. Right. And then we think it, it took a year. No, it didn't. It took you 12 weeks. Right. You we just we give ourselves so to the end to, to finally get it in gear and get go. moving. Yeah. That's That'd a good resource. Deadlines. Yeah. That's a good resource. And I, I like that. So you, you, Make that decision. The day has been set. The day comes to decide. Now you have to choose, and you're choosing a course of action. And by choosing, that means we're saying yes to one of the things and at least no for now to everything else on the list. And I like the word no for now because it doesn't mean we're never going to come back and engage another one of those ideas or do multiple things. But for now, we're going to choose one. And then, as I was saying a minute ago, the most important step in this process, in my opinion, is this one. It is to execute on that decision, to take action. Less the people in our community that we see really winning as entree pastors who are breaking out of that mold of the starving pastor and building successful side hustles that are far more lucrative than their pastoral income are men and women who are taking action. They're not just sitting and talking. They're not complaining. They're not processing and thinking. They're taking action. So what, what else would you say for that people in the back that aren't listening to us right now about taking action? <laughs> here's how, here's how important that principle is, John. And I don't know, I don't know if I've ever told you this because you weren't, you, we weren't in the mastermind together when I made this decision. So the mastermind that we're both a part of now, the, um, the leader of that mastermind encouraged us to choose a word for the year. Mm. It was going to be our kind of our overall theme and goal for the year and and then to do it and so for last year my word for the year was execute get out of here and a direct result of that decision to execute is entree pastors wow god brought me this impulsive friend into your life to execute <laughs> and make decisions i love that that's it that's execute that's how important not just the word, but the action is the concept is. Yeah, no, it's I I I want to just preach a sermon at this point, but then we'd have to take an offering. But this is I cannot overstate the importance of taking action. That is what separates, in my opinion, success from failure. Failures when we stop taking action. Failures when we quit. Failures when we give up. Success is moving forward. It may not be exactly what you thought. It may not be always the results that you were hoping for. But as long as we're taking action in that direction, we're succeeding and we're, we're building, we're growing, which leads to the last thing. And I think this is really important to include in this list is because this is what keeps us from ever really experiencing failure less. It's the ongoing process of evaluating and adjusting. We have permission to make adjustments. We have permissions to, to say, I decided to do this. I chose it. Some things happened that I couldn't quite control, some variables that I didn't fully see, so I pivoted. I made an adjustment. We we thought this would work. We pivoted. We moved down a little different direction. We're constantly, uh, on an ongoing basis, we're evaluating how things are going, 
and we're willing to make adjustments. And as long as that's our posture, there is no failure. Like we will figure this thing out as entree pastors. We will figure out this side hustle that works well for our family, that's profitable, that takes us to a much better place than we ever thought possible. And we just have to be willing to make adjustments and not be rigidly locked into some things. Well, there you go. We'll go ahead and stop it right there. You kind of heard the main uh, heart of that conversation. We went on to share some other things that were kind of pertinent to our audience at that time and are no longer relevant with the evolution of our business and just how things have continued to change and grow and evolve, which seems to happen in the course of a business. So uh, we'll wrap it up right there. I do want to just say one thing as we're getting ready to sign off. I'll bring in some outro music for you to enjoy as I'm getting ready to take us home. And that is this. Just a quick reminder, we've been talking about it a lot on our podcast as of late. But coming up on March 7th and 8th, we are having a live event at Les's Home down in Birmingham, Alabama. It's The main event is a one-day event on March 8th. The 7th, we're doing a dinner, a VIP supper that night for anybody that's involved in our Pastors Business Alliance, our Business Builders Group, uh, at any level, our Mastermind. So basically anyone that's subscribing to any kind of membership product within our platform, you're going to be invited to a special supper that night. And for everyone else, it'll just be a one-day event at, uh, on that Friday, March 8th. We'd love to have you. So if you want to check out more details on that and reserve your spot, it is entrepastors.com forward slash live to go get your ticket. So sales are starting to pick up on that a little bit. We just had another one come in today as I'm recording this. I love seeing that. Looking forward to an awesome time hanging out with some Entree Pastors people at the Les Hughes Estate coming up on March 8th. So join us for that. Guys, thank you for tuning in on this Saturday or whatever day you're listening to this. We're grateful for you. Thank you for being a part of our listening audience. Man, if there's anything we can do to be of service to you, please don't hesitate to reach out to myself or to Les. Go to entrepastors.com. You can connect with us in a lot of different ways through our website there. So we will talk to you later. Have a powerful weekend tomorrow, powerful Sunday in God's house, whatever that looks like for you. We're praying for you. We're cheering for you. We'll be back Monday with another great episode. Talk to you soon, guys. God bless. God bless.